Welcome everyone to What the Force and welcome to a discussion on a fascinating theory that came across my, uh, I don't know, desk, I guess, <laughs> plate, uh, where, uh, you know, kind of like Reverse Anadala, kind of like some other theories that we've had on the show, you know, it really seems kind of wacky uh, to start with, but the most important thing is that when you put your tinfoil TR on and you start to dig into the core themes of Star Wars and what happens within the Star Wars kind of mythopoeia, it starts to make a lot more sense. So <laughs> to join me is Sarah Sahim, who is a writer primarily. <laughs> and yes. And started to really go off on this theory in particular. So we're going to get into that in the moment. But first, hi, Sarah. Hello, world, including North Canadians and South Canadians. I am dividing you into North and South now because that's what the Brits do. <laughs> we're more like East and West because we had Upper Canada and Lower Canada, remember? Oh, I guess that's still no. Nervous. I don't remember. <laughs> well, okay. Apparently, the British education system <laughs> to learn more about its uh, conquered locations <laughs> when it was imperialistic, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We don't learn about the empire in school. <laughs> this is the Commonwealth episode. Yes. Um, like the album by Canadian band Sloan. Taking it back. <laughs> Who who brings up Sloan on a podcast? <laughs> Me. <laughs> well, welcome, Sarah, to What the Force. We have been talking about having you on the show for a while. Uh, we keep on tossing around the idea of What the Force After Dark, which I will get to eventually. Uh, not on this episode, but you know, eventually we will. We will. Whenever you say What the Force After Dark, immediately the theme song I have invented for it in my head plays, and it sounds terrible but brilliant. And I just want you to know that the bass is really good. I mean, Christy is committed to doing a, a <laughs> massive. <laughs> if she wants me to send her manic voice notes in the middle of the night, I can. I'm just I, putting that offer out there. I mean, I think she she would appreciate it. I not know. To speak for Who her. wouldn't? Who wouldn't? I I've I've gotten the most amazing like voice notes of you singing <laughs> randomly. Oh. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so setting the stage. All right. I'm going to kind of walk into this theory because I have had several questions posed to me from myself and from others that really do make me beg the question of how does Kylo Ren get over the main sin that he has committed? And by main sin, I'm going to say... <sighs> We don't see him push the button on killing Hosnian Prime. He kills Loris Anteca, but that's kind of like a war thing. They've they've made that very clear in the text. Um, and as I, as I have stressed to many male fans who have come into my mentions without um, any sense of uh, uh, self awareness, Loris Anteca does not slap. Who cares if he died? Thank well, you. Yeah, no, and many people from a mythological and fairy tale perspective only count the sin of murdering his own father, right? <laughs> that is the sin that he has committed, mm -hmm. right? And and it's so shocking. John Williams playing in the background, torn apart. He wants to be free of this pain. He tries to do it. 
And I'm going to get into this in a moment, like that scene itself. I'd like to talk about it too. But one of the things that I've been really thinking about because, oh, metatextually, Disney is trying to make its way into global markets. And although in Western psychology, so collective psychology, killing your father is very, mm, it's almost cool. <laughs> like, like, you know, like from a, from a Freudian perspective, from a, um, you have to get over your father's shadow and become your own man, you know, male psychology perspective, you have to kind of metaphorically kill your father all the time, right? In Eastern psychology, this is one of the biggest sins that you can commit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I'm talking about, you know, China, especially, which we know metatextually and like high level from a mm, plan perspective, they're trying to make a big impact there. What do you think, Sarah? You need capitalism. Capitalism. Pandering to, well, I mean, pandering but, to different markets. I mean, making it more of a universal story, right? So understanding that there are cultural differences in the story that they are telling is really yeah. fundamental. And and yeah, this I thought about this. I'm like, this is such a weird thing. When I I did an episode on um you know, his redemption and stuff like I've done many episodes on his redemption. But the thing that is getting in the way of that for, for many people is the fact that he killed Han Solo. And emotionally, we as an audience in North America, because of who Han Solo represents to us, um, you know, he's maybe our first pretend imaginary friend, you know, some of us. <laughs> Not naming names. Yeah. But like, I even did an episode where my where I talked about a friend that I've I've lost along the way. Um, he was always my Han Solo. He pretended to be Han Solo when we would pretend Star Wars. Oh. Right. So he is a friend. He is our father. He is, you know, us. Some people He's the cool older brother. Yeah, literally He's the idiot younger brother. <laughs> yeah, or they see themselves as who that that cool guy with that swagger how can you get over the concept and the idea that kylo ren has murdered us our brother our friend you know our handsome guy we like right how can you get over that so that is the framework by which we are posing the question that actually to resolve the conflict of the sequel trilogy part of this will be han lives <gasps> Right? Pause. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> did I do that okay? Yes. <laughs> you did it beautifully. Good. It's so overwhelming because once you start digging into it, it just opens up all these other wormholes where you're like, okay, well, if he lives, does this have other implications for the story? And I think we're going to get into that later, aren't we? Yeah, we can get to that. But I think that it's really important to focus on, okay, why... Why should Han come back? Well, let's let's yeah. talk about what happens in the lead up to his death because I think that that's a good framework to get the conversation started. So, in TFA, we find out dramatically that Kylo Ren is the child of Han Solo and Leia Organa. Given the guilt of the past, Leia entreats Han to bring him home bring him home 
Okay, Sarah, what do you think? And his very first line in The Force Awakens after how many years um, since Return of the Jedi? (laughs) Chewie, we're home. Chewie, we're home. But, but the Falcon, though it is, you know, a feminine symbol and, um, you know, it could be both a homecoming and reconnecting with the feminine. I don't think it's enough. I just don't think it's enough for Han to have resolved his hero's journey fully. But Mm. I don't want to steer off track. I don't want to steer off track because it seems to be that they're doing a microcosmic um, hero's journey in each movie plus an overarching one for each character. So is, is Han in the underworld right now? Star killer base, a planet that sucks that sucked a, a sun that also <laughs> sounds like a, another kind of sun, um, and that was skeletal um, on its in on the inside, and from which Han fell into a skeletal pit towards the light in a mist mm. of haze, and then that that underworld was consumed by light and rebirth as a sun, mm. a golden sun. Mm-hmm. 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 This is the mm-hmm episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so let's let's first talk about how Han. I think it's important to kind of set some groundwork too. So Han walks out onto onto the plank with no railing. <laughs> On the catwalk. On the catwalk. And (laughs) why is there no railing in Imperial bases? I still, I have questions. (laughs) Let's just pretend it's a metaphor about how the Empire and the First Order treat its people. They're expendable. Yes. They don't really care whether you die. Mm -hmm. They'll just chuck another one in there. Yeah, exactly. So there is Kylo... In his mask, in his in his helmet, um, we hear Han yell, "Ben, Ben!" Dude, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yours? <laughs> it was a- Yours was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that was the first time I tried it as well. Kylo oh turns God. in his like mask voice, Han Solo, <sighs> and and several things happen in this interaction and i know that they spent a lot of time to get all of the emotionality correct all right so it's so funny at this point in the movie when i showed it to my mom who hadn't seen any of the sequel trilogy stuff or the prequels but i'm trying to get her to watch the sequels before this all comes out um she started saying no don't go there no (laughs) because she knew because this scene emotionally has all of the foreboding. It does do a little will they, won't they with with the music especially, which I have covered in previous episodes with Christy Carew. But this scene in particular foreshadows his death through the foreboding, right? So people were mentally prepared. It was going to happen, um, in a, but yet still the horror of it still happens. So let's, let's watch it now. I think I like how it plays with um, negative space a lot, both um, visually, you know, there's that, that chasm mm-hmm. and it's basically the unknown, right? And yeah. even the, the way that the light shines down um, in the middle on, on Han and Ben, it's like a spotlight, sort of the same light that you see when Vader rises in um, Revenge of the Sith. Um and the music as well. That's just the absence of these these guides 
just I don't know it's just it just creates so much more tension and it makes it all the more tragic which I think plays well into Han the, the surprise of Han lives that we're spoiling for you so. <laughs> <laughs> well speculation at this point but yeah. I certainly think it has some merit so let's listen now <laughs> I'm just pretending it's real so all those small little circular lights especially I figured out those are Palpatine's eyes see they how they yeah. line the bridge Han Solo this is I've been waiting for this day what he wanted oh Harrison Ford's acting is so good here god damn it really is and then we see Ray with the with the light come in. Yep. And the light is shining on the two of them. Yes. Take off that mask. You don't need it. What do you think you'll see if I do? The face of my son. Oh, handsome boy. <laughs> and he and in the novelization he thinks to himself how much older Ben has become. I think also in the script as well. Your son. He's gone. The first time he's seen him he was as an adult. Foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. That's what Snoke wants you to believe. But it's not true. My son is alive. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. Snoke is using you for your power. Oh, Fascinating that Ray retreats. is watching this scene. Yeah, he retreats, yeah. You know it's true. It's too late. No, it's not. Leave it's never too so late. Now You've got um, red light bathing half of Ben's face mm -hmm. and the other half in light, and behind him it's blue, which um, represents the Skywalker's power and legacy, I guess. This in this, mm -hmm. so he he has these two choices ahead of him, but I find it interesting that Han, there's no divide. It's just full red. Mm-hmm. Anything. The mask is stripped away. Yes. But he's still hiding. Yeah. And then we see the light disappear, right? Yes. Right at this moment? Yes. And the music but swells. Mm, some light does still remain. And I think that is important. And it's intentional. It never goes. Thank you. 
hand touching to his face. And, and now father and son yes. are separated. And as he falls into the light, that the kind of looks like a star. And J.J. Abrams says that Leia senses his regret. I'm going to pause it there. Yes. <laughs> Shook. I haven't watched that in a while. Now I'm sad. <laughs> I watched it actually just the other day to do a, you know, a kind of recording about TFA. And I think about the music a lot because it's very um, heart wrenching. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you said some really, really interesting things while things were happening, especially to do with color and, um, kind of when the lights were shining on who I found it very interesting that um, Ray is, is witnessing this and especially to do with kind of my overarching theory of what the trust plot will lean into. Yes. Um, Ray is hearing Snoke is using you for your power directly. It's like with all of those palpatine eyes around her in that yes. room it feels like foreshadowing <laughs> yes and we could we could potentially get a line from ben in in the rise of skywalker that mirrors his father's line of instead of you know snoke is using you for your power palpatine is using you for your power yes oh that would be so good <laughs> right so good Yes. That was a side speculation to do with a different theory that was on a different episode. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> we're tying it together. You're, you're story grouping it. I am story grouping it. Uh, I do sometimes feel like a crazy person. Uh, but these things are important and they say things visually. And, you know, some of th things might not happen and that's okay. But we're talking about kind of what these could represent based on both mythological and sort of story points that are coming out. Where is the story going based on what we see? Yeah. So um, TFA makes a point that it, it, it is Han, it is Rey, and it is Finn who will usher Ben Solo and the Solos and the Skywalkers to redemption. I think the addition of Finn there is something that's kind of glossed over, but the light was shining behind him just as it, just as it was Rey. And um, he's also there. Yes, Chewie is there, but I can't remember how he's lit. Because, you know, he's in the dark. I hope he does get more. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there is, okay, you know the bit in, in TLJ where Chewie's eating the, the well, about to eat the rotisserie pork yes. that he got from Costco? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> my, my tinfoil tiara theory is that the, uh, the Costco pork is, uh, is Kylo Ren after he's been... Uh, um, uh, shot by Chewie and the porg with, with sad eyes crying uh, is Ben Solo <laughs> right he, remembers, he remembers empathy for other people other creatures yeah yeah that's I mean it, that's on point with parallel storytelling that Star Wars does mm. yeah so, totally totally plausible I give you plausible plausible stamp thank you 
thank you. Okay, back back to Han lives. I know there's so okay. much to oh, there's so much. We okay. we could talk forever about everything, but yes, Han lives. Like to- so Han falls into this this misty underworld symbolically, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and this is not the first time that we have seen him descend into a mist misty he has come back from which we know even the creators themselves knew that this was a mini journey to the underworld for han specifically i'm talking about in empire strikes back when vader freezes him in carbonite and sends him to go be with jabba <laughs> basically <laughs> that's what we find out happens but he is frozen in carbonite and effectively dead and there is a lot of use of the coffin motif in in Star Wars. We see it at least four times. Vader's suit is a walking coffin. Han being frozen in carbonite is a coffin. Padme in her coffin as she is being gone down the street. And we know Rey being shipped to Kylo, i.e. kind of his underworld domain, when he goes to the suprem onto the supremacy Snoke ship, uh, is coffin like because Ryan said, "Can you make it more coffin like?" <laughs> okay, so coffin symbolism in Star Wars equals journey to the underworld. So we've mm-hmm. already seen that parallel of the mist, especially falling into mist, is going to the underworld, and it always signifies the mystical. Always, yes. I mean. You, you go back, go back to Dagobah and think about how much mist is on Dagobah, how much is on Arcto, how much was on Jakku when you see Kylo descend from his shuttle, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that should be your first clue that what we're dealing with now is going to be more dark crystal than it is Star Trek, um, more fairy tale than yes, Star. And and remember the whole thing is myth right modern myth we are we are dealing with things that don't necessarily need to make sense from a from a science perspective because that's the point right it's about telling fantasy and star wars isn't technologically advanced i mean come on all they have is just hyperspace and that's an extension of the force so (laughs) yes 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 Yes. so when um an important part of the hero's journey is it I I go I've forgotten the actual term, so this is where you come in. So we're sort of reuniting and reconnecting with the father. Yes. What's the what's the official term for it? Oh, is that I it? gotta look it up. I know. It's sometimes you just have little uh, phrases that you kind of invent for yourself so it's easier to remember because Joseph Campbell, bless his cotton socks. He was a bit of a boast at times. <laughs> he had to kind of condense his teachings. Um that never happens. It doesn't happen for Han and it doesn't happen um, for Ben either way. And um, when the saber is ignited and Han falls down, they're being dragged further apart. And there's this, um, the harsh red light that was completely washing Han and washing Ben, only half of Ben's face. Um, so that's Palpatine sticking his hands right in the middle and, and physically separating them. So in order for the reunion to actually um, take place, either Ben needs to completely cease um, any, well, free himself of any 
connection to Palpatine or eradicate Palpatine. So that's where it will come plot-wise. But there's a an interesting life and rebirth um, uh, just juxtaposition that I do want to get into. But while you're looking for that, I'll... So you're looking you're looking for when he reconnects with his father? Uh in the hero's journey or or just 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 what the what the, the just what the name is. Either both, both just a little quick refresh, I think. I mean, the the reconciliation with the with the feminine and the masculine in the heroine's journey happens when the person returns from the underworld. That's what I was thinking of because okay. he's on a heroine's journey. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so you can bring us back. You can guide us back. I'll, I'll step back now. Okay, Sorry. so um, both Ty and I have speculated that um, both Ray and uh, Kylo Ren are both on dual heroine heroes journeys because they are saying the same thing. And when the reconciliation of the feminine and the masculine happens is kind of in the third act. It's it's the part where the two halves of them have to have a confrontation. And in the heroine's journey, there's actually a, a confrontation where you face the dark father. And so that's kind of standing up to Palpatine, right? Like that is that is going to be the confrontation for, for Ray and Ben at the end is standing up to Palpatine and having that resolution happen where the sins of the past are now resolved, knowing what they know from the previous journeys that they've had. So I've just looked it up and then running concurrent and parallel to that is the um, atonement with the father or the abyss. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's at that point, sort of three quarters in where um, we'll get that reunion but I did want to uh, talk a little bit about the visual aspect of um uh sorry Han falling after yes, yes. because he goes into the fetal position mm. and he turns into a silhouette so mm. uh, amongst all this light and he literally he looks like a, a scan you know yeah um, like a like an ultrasound yeah huh that's if you want to pull that back up, so <laughs> and so you have that in the center being born, kind of in the sh- again. It looks, it literally looks like the Star of David. If you, <laughs> I don't know if that's intentional, but I think it is. Uh, amongst all this kind of raw, kind of bare bones, skeletal, um, destructive um, imagery of Starkiller Base surrounding it, through that, through Han's fall, well, it's a rise. It's a rise towards rebirth, and then the sun is reborn as Starkiller Base is um, obliterated. So in that way, you know, you see that there's going to be some sort of messaging to, I mean, forgive Kylo, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the required piece of the, of the story is the atonement aspect of it. Do you think that it will literally be him coming back? Cause, cause they can't, they can't, have the rebirth of the galaxy far, far away without necessarily fixing the problems and actually having the elixir with them. Yeah. Right. So the rebirth can't necessarily happen in, in that moment, in that way. I think earlier on in the story where the atonement happens. Mm -hmm. So, but it could be a message, right? Yeah. 
What do you think is going to happen? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, I think we all have 50 ways that's going to, that we think is going to happen. I mean, it, that's could be, it could be a visualization yeah. vision. Well, I think going back to what we were talking about um, before we started recording, in that the mask, his mask, um, Kylo Ren's mask, is split into pieces of himself. And he mm-hmm. might have to address all these different pieces of himself before he is a fully realized and a fully complete um, force user and person. And mm-hmm. part of that, that, a huge hurdle of that, like you said, is Han. And I think in order to fully get on board with his redemption, he needs to addressing the issue with Han and reuniting with him either. You know, I joke that it's Han Liz, but it's more like I'd be happy with metaphorical Han Liz, but I think it would be, it would be pretty insane and amazing if, as you say, that the galaxy is going to be literally healed. Um, If it's spelled out that way by Ray and Ben force healing Han and, and, you know, ushering him into a new life where he can, grow old but I think I do need to maybe go back to like the root of how I got this idea and yeah um, sure because I I think it it, yeah I think that that helps right so so there is a couple of I think big theories on how this could happen i.e yes happens at the end of the story with the rebirth of the galaxy they're foreshadowing this with a lot of different properties so for example in uh, Vader Immortal we see a flashback to how Mustafar, and as the flashback happens, it, Mustafar almost grows green again. So this is like, yes. that's that's like a foreshadow to what could happen if a rebirth of the galaxy happens. All of these dead worlds, I don't want to go into them because my spreadsheet is getting longer as I list <laughs> out dead worlds in the galaxy. What do you have from death? you have rebirth that springs forth new life. The dead world- I've heard that before. <laughs> the dead worlds in the galaxy, I'll, I'll name a few. Mustafar, Jakku, uh, Tatooine, right? Je- Je- Jeddah. Um, anything that looks kind of barren without life represents the underworld in Star Wars. When the balance of the force happens, what will happen- or what a lot of people are theorizing will happen is that there's going to be a push from the galaxy out, like from the force out basically to spring forth new life. So the, the, the reasons that they were stripped were to do with war and to do with the dark side and they will be reborn and become lush and green mystically with the force. That's Mm -hmm. the idea, right? And so that could be something that also happens, like things that were killed by kyber crystals could come back, right? So mm-hmm. things that mystically were destroyed because we know the Death Star was a kyber weapon. And that would include Han, <gasps> right? Like that could be a way we do it. But there are other ways that we know um, rebirth has happened. Yes. Right? A resurrection has happened. And do you want to talk about the one specifically in Rebels? Well, yes. Well, that's actually what um, inspired me in the first place. And when I, whenever I um, watch or read um, extended universe material, um, because I'm a nerd, I, I always try and be um, cognizant 
of what sort of implications it has for the wider narrative or what sort of um, messages it's it's uh, trying to convey about the wider narrative and how the how they how they can apply to the wider narrative you know um so the introduction of the world between worlds kind of blew everyone's mind to to hell and back um but then i kind of it gave me a little han lives you know a little summon summit going on but then i hadn't watched rebels and so i thought i just kind of walked back from it because i didn't want to sound like a loon Mm-hmm. Cut to celebration this year. Palpatine's laugh comes on, and bear in mind, my my laptop, my stream froze, so I only caught Ray breathing, and then Palpatine's laugh, then the rise of Skywalker. That was my experience of watching the trailer <laughs> for the first time, and then I was panicked. <laughs> yes, well, um, and it's funny because he says. Luke says the line that he says in the Last Jedi when he hands Leia. Han's dice mm. says no one's ever really gone. And then we hear Palpatine's laughter after the rise of Skywalker. And what made me connect it was how they both quote unquote died. Yeah. Falling off of into a, into an elevator shaft, basically into a giant penis. What the force after time. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Everything that's destructive, yeah. In, in the underworld, they they're falling into the unconscious and I and I very much have this theory that that the the world between worlds is the collective unconscious of the force and thus all beings in the galaxy. Makes it does make perfect sense, but go on. And so when you fall into the into the world between worlds or you're in the world between worlds, you are literally accessing all of everything because the force is everything it's a really interesting concept to start trying to knock your brain around but yoda tells us this the force exists between all things but it also comes from all living things it is both the living things and the space between those living things and what connects us, well, not us, but you know, <laughs> living things to what other living things. Living things to living things. It is the force yeah. of others that connects us to each other. And there is a conscious part of the force called the will of the force, the cosmic force. And there is a subconscious part, the collective subconscious, which is literally because the force is created by all living things, the collective subconscious of the universe. That means nothing is ever really gone and everything can become again. And it's not so um, alien, even from a scientific real world perspective, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just simply converts between different states. So it's the same notion with the force. Yes. And, you know, a lot of mythology has similar force concepts you know like egyptian mythology has the source (laughs) it's literally like the source the source of all creation and part of us as humans and souls existing in the world want to strive towards the source and that's very much like what the energy of the galaxy far far away is so Hmm. in that the world between worlds what happens with ezra and ahsoka is and and I have a I have a plus on top of what 
you know, you've already come up with this. You mentioned this and this made this clicked with me. So it happened. So this is in Rebels, the last season. And they are on Lothal. Yes. And um, okay. Do, do you want me to go into how they open the temple and all that? Or do you just want to no, 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 no. well between worlds? Because yeah, I don't so, remember. So Ezra, I'll, I'll re-clare. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Ezra gets into the temple through a, in a way, living force means, which is psychologically really interesting too. So the wolves guide his way into, into the world between worlds. The wolves guide his way into his subconscious. It's like a spirit journey. He is in this world, which is like, he would see something different than what Yoda would see, than what I would see, than what anybody else would see. He is walking amongst the stars. There's these pathways that guide him to different gateways and doorways that allow him to hear echoes and of the future and the past. Because remember, the world between worlds is everything, right? He is mm-hmm. inside of the subconscious of, of the universe universe well yeah all the galaxy or the galaxy i guess because we don't yeah we don't really know if it's a universe or not do we we don't know (laughs) but he walks into and he sees the triangle shaped doorway with a circle portal and he sees the events that happened on malachor with vader and ahsoka and their fight yes end of season two vader is out for blood he is determined to kill ahsoka ezra seeing Ezra had only seen these events from the um, other side, I guess, literally from another perspective, from another point of view. (laughs) And um, from a certain point of view, uh, from a certain point of view. And now he's from another, he's viewing it from a door was closed too early. And now he is inside that door with Vader and Ahsoka essentially. And instinctively, he sees he sees Vader going for a circle and instinctively he grabs her and pulls her out of that plane, I guess, the past, and into yep. this convergence of space-time where there's everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and her life is uh um she's saved. She's saved because her death, if she had been killed, her death would not have um her physical death would not have impacted the story in any way, because regardless of what happens um, in that situation, whether Ahsoka had died or whether she, she had been saved by Ezra, the group, our ghost crew still lived with that assumption that Ahsoka had died and that informed Mm -hmm. their choices from there on. So when she sent, can I, can I make a parallel? Please, please. Kylo. Okay. So this is where we start to see the parallels to Kylo. Ezra lived with the guilt of Ahsoka dying his entire time. Yes. He blamed himself. So again, the animation of Star Wars tries to simplify concepts for kids Mm -hmm. so that they can understand what is happening in a galaxy far, far away through the lens of Star Wars, we saw the Force Bond scene happen in Rebels the season before it showed up, actually, on t- in TLJ. We see the, you know, kind of relationship of commonality between them. We've seen a lot of other potential kind of nuggets that have been spread through the animation to give us a sense of kids seeing it before as almost like a primer to what they'll see on the big screen. Mm-hmm. In this moment, 
Ezra feels on on Malachor when he leaves Ahsoka behind, he feels guilty for her death. There's been a, a significant time jump as well because Rebels is only four seasons, but there was so it's been it's been way more than two years, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if there's an official uh, time jump, but it's been it's been that guilt has been there. And it's been stewing for a long time, and I think it manifests at the beginning of the season with this kind of this impulsive. Um, a very dark side uh, yeah like he he's drawn to the dark side in some ways because and and he flirts with the idea of being kind of more powerful um he's greedy for power to to prevent this sort of thing from happening again he wants to destroy the sith he goes through kind of all of these ranges of emotions because ezra's story is star wars made simple but but it is still complex. I'm not downplaying that, but it's no. made so really little little kids can understand it. But it's the same story. Remember, Star Wars is one story, okay? So if we see repetitive parallel storytelling, they're trying to tell us to pay attention to something. Yeah. So Ahsoka was going to be killed probably, right? Mm-hmm. Ezra felt the guilt of the situation and was able to prevent it from happening. Pull her back from the underworld. Free her. Free With her. The assistance of, of, of a bird. Literally the, an animal that takes to the skies and flies wherever it wishes to go. <laughs> yes. Um, you know? A, a mori. The mori. The mori, yes. Um, so that is the parallel. But let's talk about about the interesting scene that happens with Kanan, because I think that this is also a really good point. So it is so pertinent. Yeah. Yeah. Given the choice to, to, to bring back Kanan, what does he choose to do? Well, uh, initially, again, we see him, this, this darkness kind of, um, creep over him it's and he's right yes yes that again I mean the world between worlds it's very it's specifically designed to represent balance and all that contributes to balance which you know the stars and the animals and these are different indications of life really um and I'm sure that they've done something clever with it where there is actually as much white as there is black, but it doesn't look that way. But mm-hmm. I trust them to have done something clever with it. <laughs> That's just my assumption. Anyway, so a similar portal pops up out of nowhere. I don't know how this stuff works. It's popping in my universe. <laughs> and he uh, runs over there like a little child again, I guess reminding you as well that he was de- deprived of that experience of growing up in a family that could you know, emotionally nourish Support him. him. And so he seeks out yeah. his father figure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, because there was a time where he raised himself and that can never go away. The trauma from that, working through the trauma of that will, it will be a, a perpetual cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's an instance in which he is tested. Like you said, it's Star Wars. Star Wars animation is Star Wars simplified. So you have this really clear distinction between the selfish and selfless Mm -hmm. and what, and also preventing standing in the way of Canaan's selflessness as well. Um, But I was just going to say, do you want to talk about the, how he died? Because I've only seen episode rebels once. Canaan is rescuing Hera from capture. So he is him and the rebels crew 
Hera is captured by Theron and they rescue her and they have this gorgeously romantic multiple moments throughout that episode. And so you're like, oh no, he's totally going to (laughs) die. They, they, they set you up big time, right? Because this isn't the relationship that fixes the problems, right? Reminder, suffering in the world still exists. Mm -hmm. Um, They run away. And at one point there is going to be basically they're going to be blown out of the sky. They they decide to try to destroy them without letting them get away. And Kanan stands there and pushes the explosion back and pushes the rebel crew, his family, into the transport, holding kind of between life and death himself. His eyes clear in the animation. He can see his family his found family for the first time in kind of two seasons. And then he is kind of destroyed in, in his self-sacrifice. So he self-sacrifices potentially, you know, he takes on an aspect of the force because we know that he's, he's there in later episodes, right? He becomes one with the force, specifically the living force, but that doesn't really matter. (laughs) That's for another time. But, but he, through his efforts, his family can go on. They can continue the good work that they've been doing in the galaxy. And then they, Ezra goes on to save Lothal. Hera goes on to fight at Endor and Jakku, you know? Yeah. Uh, goes and looks for Ezra. Yeah. So well, protects him. Right? Yeah. yeah. And Ezra himself goes on and makes the right decisions in this moment with Ahsoka's guidance. Right. Yeah. He, so when faced with the choice to pull him out of that situation, Ahsoka says, you know, he made this sacrifice. You undo the good work that he has done. Literally spelling it out for you, is it? But so let's talk a little bit about sacrificial death in the second uh, act of a three act story that is currently playing out. Yes. Mm. Who sacrificed themselves, Sarah? Uh, an old man an old man no luke skywalker luke skywalker made the choice to sacrifice himself knowing projecting himself onto this other planet from across the galaxy would kill him the effort would kill him alone the effort would kill him alone and Mm. so he did this so that he could actually have a heart-to-heart conversation with his nephew getting all of those emotions out, allowing him to actually have the vent, but denying him the thing that he truthfully wanted to do was to slay his own shadow. Because you cannot have balance if you kill your own shadow. You have to seek to understand it and bring it and reintegrate it. Mm -hmm. He prevented that death, right? So he was the difference between life and death, the first order and the resistance running away, right? He is the yeah. reason, he is the thing that stood in the way, that self-sacrifice. Do you have any thoughts on self-sacrifice from an overall story perspective? Why it's important? It's Star Wars. It is literally Star Wars's go-to um, trope, yes. Yeah, trope. I mean, and it's a beautiful full cycle moment for Luke in that he's emulating both his both of his father figures and how they gave their lives to for mm-hmm. the greater good for the for 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 him 
So he could go and live and live a full, well-rounded life. But unfortunately, things happened. And I guess, he, you know, at that point, he might. it's too late for me now, son. <laughs> That's his version of it. Yeah. Passing the, the mantle on to um, Ben. So I imagine here that with a redeemed Ben Solo comes the guilt and the different manifestations of guilt and how guilt can eat away at a person, which I guess was, it, it would be a great way of incorporating the themes of Attack of the Clones, right? Mm-hmm. And um, especially in regards to a parent, right? Yes. So, um, <clears throat> or a parental figure. So you can imagine in this whatever manifestation of the world between worlds that we're going to see in in the rise of skywalker i'm sure marie claire has some great theory on how it's gonna look <laughs> i'm balanced i know that I, well what it well it depends on who goes there right because yes the subconscious will will come from the people that um to me the uh the sizzle reel poster that came out mm-hmm. right so so from d23 um, and we're, I'm sure we're going to get the theatrical poster. We might've already gotten it cause we're recording this in the past, but, um, it, it looked like to me that they were fighting in the world between worlds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or some sort of version where things are shifting in between being in, in the force and out of the force. So right. I know we're going to go there. I'm still formulating what I think it might look like because right. there might be visual, inspiration that the concept designers and the storytellers themselves the the creators have in mind that I haven't seen um but the subconscious is usually dark right (laughs) and purple more color theory for you and which it's you know what your hair color is perfect it's I know well I did purple represents magic and the subconscious and balance yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So going back to self-sacrifice, um, trope we've seen played out so many, so many times. Saw Guerrero this, this time around. Um, so yeah, I think that the guilt will kind of spiral out of control, you know, as well, I think that the, not only as a way, uh, one of the keys is, is how do you heal the wound that was dealt? Right. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Campbell says that, only the weapon that dealt the wound can heal it. Oh, oh, oh. But that's the thing that, I don't know, that's a bit more of a complex one. No, I know, but self-sacrifice is involved. But I'm talking about Han, right? Because we know- Han, okay. When self-sacrifice happens, the choice was made and you can't pull Mm. them back from that, right? No. They can be part of they can be part of the um, kind of story from a guide mm-hmm. perspective from a, you know Obi Wan Yoda right mm-hmm. they are what you grow beyond when Yoda said that I knew it was going to be self sacrificial because the only way that he can pass on what he has learned is to make sure that the next generation has learned from him. Mm. Exactly. But Han's death, although attempting to be self-sacrificial, was actually something different. Right. And there's this huge um, 
maybe I should I should do this myself like cut together Hans final reaction you know as he transitions from living to dead and Luke's Hans is shock kind of a little bit of horror and um you know and he and love Mm -hmm. Luke a smile content cry I think does he cry a little bit well he looks like he's close to it but you know his eyes are watering yeah but it was and and we hear in case you were confused we hear Daisy Ridley deliver these amazing lines as Ray saying yeah. um, Luke is gone I felt it it was peace and purpose purpose yeah he wasn't there was no sadness and that's the um, thing about fairy tale and story and this this magical galaxy that we are talking about is that it's almost like although there is meaningless death there is never meaningless death mm-hmm. there is never meaningless death in star wars everything has a meaning to it right it is yeah. the galaxy it is it is the dark side it is self-sacrificial so others can live death and rebirth right this one was specifically in an attempt to bring his son home and Kylo was weakened by it. So how can Kylo become whole, right? He was wounded as much as he wounded Han. The only way that Kylo can become whole is by having his father back. Mm -hmm. And letting his life kind of play out naturally and die when he was supposed to die. Because, you know, there's the whole idea of fate as well coming into this. Mm -hmm. So Luke was supposed to die because without Luke having died, then the resistance would not have been safe to escape and the First Order wouldn't have looked like idiots. So, well, um, and, and something that I, I, I have bring, brought up in like mythological episodes in the past is that when we talk about the mythological parallels and, and fate interacting, force the force is the is fate it's very deterministic it has its own will it has its own desires and when you go against fate there are consequences to that yes and in the luke scene on crate by delivering the dice to leia he is saying to her i am going to go and die so that han can live <gasps> what are you doing to me <laughs> what are you doing to me? I am bringing you know back your husband through my self-sacrifice. Yeah. So you can have a happy life and that you can never lose hope again. And yes. you know, never so you never can live lose with anything. hope because she has only known pain. Yes, yes. And that is and, the healing yeah. of the Skywalker feminine. That mm-hmm. the mother has her son back mm-hmm. and the family is whole. And that the masculine is connected and reunited with and incorporated with the feminine, i.e. marriage. Marriage. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that the line continues and the hope continues to the next generation. Yeah. Yep. Well, because I was talking earlier about the use of negative space in Han's death scene and then when you as soon as you mentioned that there is this hole in Ben Solo I'm like yes of course there it is there's that chasm this emptiness that needs to be filled and it needs to be filled with love and family and friendship and happiness (laughs) and you know if we want a satisfying hopeful ending that involves Han coming back we've 
we've had our tragic ending with the prequels. We've had our bittersweet ending um, with the original trilogy. So why can't we have a corny, beautiful reunion? <laughs> um, and, you know, cry for a bit with everyone, you know? Well, like, that's the point is that, like, with Star Wars and and sort of like the samsara of the mm. generations, it's to loot, to, it's to learn from the mistakes of the past, yes. reliving the same stories, reliving the same experiences and the suffering of the galaxy until one day we can get it right. And you literally see that in the real world. It's mm-hmm. happening right now outside our door. And yet people have, <laughs> I don't know why they say that the sequel trilogy isn't planned or doesn't make any sense. How can you say that when there are Nazis out on our street How in 2019? And the thing is, they never went away, just like Palpatine. I mean, like, that's if you want to make a blooming Nazi comparison, there it is. I mean, darkness never goes away. Um, but eradicating it, you know, just putting a bomb to it won't solve the problem either. No, it's oh. you have to find a new way of thinking about the galaxy where you acknowledge that it exists, mm-hmm. but you're always turning towards the light. Yes. And um, I, I wanted to th- just have a little open discussion maybe about like our good guys who die in the first movie of each trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're going, episode one, we have Qui-Gon and he goes on to live as... Um, as a force ghost. He, he is a force ghost. Yeah. But it was initially a voice, but then you said it was quite um, strenuous for him to manifest as... A, a visual entity, right? Yeah. So, in uh, from a certain point of view, the the sort of side stories of A New Hope, he actually in the Claudia Gray book or story of that, the short story called Master and Apprentice, it's described as, and I can I can read it out to you if you okay if you have an interest, I can. I took a screenshot of the page because I referenced if it. If lives, I bet this was intentional as well. <laughs> I don't trust Lucasfilm to tie it up that much and blow our minds. All right. So this is one of my favorite stories. I actually had Claudia Gray sign this story in particular. None of my other stories got signed while I was at Celebration. This one is the only one because it is... I'm pulling my copy out tonight. So important. Only when one... Only then does one sense individuality. So he is he is attempting to remind himself who he is um, and pull himself away from the force to be able to manifest, okay? Only then does a sense of individuality arise, a remembrance of what was, what is, and the knowledge of oneself separate from the force. It provides a vantage point for experience experiencing the physical world in its complexity and ecstasy but the pain of that separation only endurable only because unity will come again and very soon that is so hard lives that is so hard lives (laughs) fracture from the all that memory of temporal existence is most easily summed up with the word that fracture was once called by the name Qui-Gon. Oh. <laughs> so separation from the force, from from everything is painful. It is mm. it is the suffering of the galaxy. It is the Star Wars. You, you're blowing my mind left, right, and center tonight. 
<laughs> you're, left, you're leaving me speechless. <laughs> I, thank you. <laughs> oh, um, but okay. So you were saying that, like, so we had Qui Gon who became a Force ghost. We had we have Obi Wan Kenobi who became a Force ghost. Yes. Well, the thing is, Qui Gon, his um, appearance to Obi Wan, we only find out that it's, it's even possible in Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Why God? That, that was my second good impression of the night. <laughs> um, so for the longest time, we only thought that it could be a voice and then comes from a certain point of view. And we find out that this disconnection from the force is actually painful. And as you and Ty were talking about in your shadow episode, that the notion of being a force goes that you're essentially incinerating and destroying your shadow. It doesn't sound like become transparent. Right. It doesn't, you're not whole. Yeah. You know, you know, and, um, but Yoda's ability to become whole, does that mean he has achieved balance in his time in the underworld? Is he, I think that he he has rediscovered his shadow. Yeah. I think that's how he is interacting with the world. Hmm. Right. He's had a lot of time to think. (laughs) Mm Hmm in ghost years. So that leads us um, onto the third trilogy that gives us a huge question mark. Um, and even Obi-Wan had his little Obi lives moment at D23, didn't he? Yes. When the surprise announcement came. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying they're trying to make us used to it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, going back to actual theory, I harm lives helps bolster reverse Anadala. I'm going to be controversial here. No reverse Anadala, no harm lives, and vice versa. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. I'm going to get so many hate messages um, from the Raylos. I'll be excommunicated from Raylo down. So um, I think that we might get momentarily reminders of Han throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think we're going to get Ben using Han-like humor. We might get Poe using Han-like humor because he's very Han-like. We will get perhaps a Han-like interaction with C-3PO from Ben to C-3PO. I think that we're going to get remembrance of Han in the story as the lead-up happens until the moment by which he has maybe a vision with Harrison Ford and then the reincorporation because part mm-hmm. of the vision would be the healing of and atonement with his, with the sins of the past, right? Which would allow him to heal from this wound, right? The one who dealt it can heal it. Melt it. <laughs> Delete that. No, you're not going to. No, you're not going to. You know, we'll get the elixir. Right. We get, yes. We get the rebirth. We get the the ability to fix the problems of the past going forward. Right. So the thing, I mean, and narratively, you think he saves Han, and then like, and then you leave the audience thinking, hmm, if he can save Han, I wonder what else they can do. And then that leaves the healing of the galaxy as this big surprise, you know, the big reward mm-hmm. at the um at the end as well. But back to reverse Adadala. Um, if you don't mind, I would would you mind playing that 45 second clip of George Lucas talking about Han's rebirth again? Because I think uh yeah, um I linked it to you, you played it in reverse Anadala about death and rebirth. Um I've I said send you the link but I'll send it to you again. All right. <laughs> 
because I don't know technology and I'm talking all over myself. Uh, okay. Of course, Blind Man Baldwin found this. It's from the Return of the Jedi commentary, I think. It's not necessarily about the death and rebirth thing, but I just want to talk a bit about Vader and Han and their relationship. Yes. Um, so if you want to guide that, I'm going to let you be my, be my Luke Skywalker. All right, here we go. Solo Journey is a continuation of the motif of death and rebirth, which is the overall central theme of this whole series in relationship to Darth Vader coming out of his evil hibernation and being reborn as Anakin Skywalker. He's put to sleep, which is a common device, you know, especially in fairy tales, but it's also mythological terms too, of going into a state of suspended animation. And then usually you come out rejuvenated. Sometimes it's equivalent of going down to the netherworld and coming back enlightened. In this particular case, he was just put to sleep. My tinfoil tiara theory is that death and rebirth, as in a mini death and a mini rebirth, plus an uh, more dangerous uh, death and rebirth, is a solo family rite of passage. Mm-hmm. So first we have Leia in A New Hope. She's attacked with the stun gun. She passes out. She wakes up. She does a business, but she backslides. Han, he gets frozen in carbonite. He's unfrozen. He's a hero, but he backslides. <laughs> Ray, <laughs> she, um, uh, she's knocked out by Kylo. Uh, and we can Drag see to the end of Ray. She, yes, right, oh, she, she backslides and she moonwalks backwards and then she rolls down, down a hill <laughs> in the countryside. <laughs> all the way all the way then tlj um is knocked out after the uh the legacy slaver is split wakes up that's some backsliding there that is some real backsliding so they and then oh yes i forgot miss leia miss leia Mm. and um we think she's dead oh no 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 don't take that away no 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 but we like i honestly thought she she died in that scene in TLC. Yes. Was shot. Like the so ship that's, exploded. Uh, but that is your main clue, I think. That because I thought that she did she died as well. And you know, Carrie Fisher not having I feel I often think of the alternate universe in which Carrie Fisher wasn't dead. Would we have thought, oh, this is the scene where they kill Leia off then? Would we have thought no. that? I don't think so. But I guess it helped their cause in a messed up way um but that should be your main indicator that um that han and ben and ray are all going to experience the same thing where they're going to be dragged to the very edge of of the living and the dead and somehow make it through against all the odds because you know they are resilient they are strong they are love they are hope you know they're they are the Sith, they tried so hard to cling on to life. They messed with God knows what voodoo-doo-doo stuff. Um, and it didn't work. Yeah. But what worked for Leia was her soul, you know? Oh. Yes. 
Yeah, I love it. And you, yeah, you see, you see these explosions, and they are so reminiscent of Star Killer Base exploding as well. It's yes. again that sun being be, being reborn, and it happens to Finn when he receives the kiss of life from Rose, and now we see Finn in Corellian striped trousers, dressed in like Mister Han, to remind us of Han. Mm. Okay. Yeah. This this one has. Has legs. I like it. Uh, yeah. Han lives. Do you have anything else to add? Reverse Anadala quickly. Okay. Yes. So we're, if we are going to assume that Anakin's soul occupies, or a part of Anakin's soul occupies Ben, mm-hmm. um, we are now at the stage where Han has forgiven Anakin for freezing him. Right? Yes. But Anakin hasn't apologized for doing the same thing. So, Sanadala, this is your opportunity to have Anakin make up with his son-in-law. Anakin make up with his son-in-law and his son-in-law to make up with his grandson at the same moment. It's it's, it's a one and done deal. So just as a reminder, reverse Anadala is the concept that um, Anakin and Padme were reincarnated as Ben and... Ray, yes, at least parts of them were, or sim- symbolically, you know, symbolically know too. Far, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how far this is actually going to go, but there's so much. It's dripping mm-hmm. with reverse Anadala symbolism. The concept that Anakin and Padme are playing a role in the sequel trilogy, which would tie into the idea so poetically that this is the whole saga. This is the whole story. It started with Anakin and Padme and it ends with Anakin and Padme's um, surrogates. And they are, I, I can't figure out how and why, but there's been a, some inkling, whatever Anakin's popped up in Disney Star Wars, there has been a little bit of gold around him. Um, in Vader Immortal, there's this gold pyramid when he screams Padme. And the other instances of gold in in the sequel trilogy and I guess Rogue One and Solo by extension, they represent Han Solo's heart, a scoundrel with a heart of gold. And that heart is is beating and it's still very much alive. Um, And also by extension, then Ben's heart as well. And I guess from... Um, footage from D23 and rumors and other other stuff, I guess. See, 3PO is going to have, you know, an increased role. And he is gold. So you've got that com- combination of the Solo's heart plus him being an avatar for Anakin. And mm-hmm. I just think that the way that they're coming together and Rey holding the legacy saber on one side and the Solo gun on the other side... She is bringing them, you know, these two pieces together. C-3PO represents them coming together as well. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if if Anakin and Padme are going to get their reunion, then Han and Leia will as well, you know, and they're going to get to grow old with their grandkids and they're going to have a little... It is is winning the war for all times, right? Is the idea that, um, you know, they, they actually fixed the what was wrong in the galaxy and thus right the elixir is returned the tribe is improved 
the the world and the galaxy far far away is better yes and the thing is they could either stay dead or they could um exist on or they could be alive or they could exist on this plane like yoda wherein they can switch between the ghostly plane and the real world but that's only if true balance is achieved and if we think where the story is going everyone becomes force sensitive in a way so they can kind of adjust how they appear and all that but either way Han lives in any circumstance Han lives and Han can live it just depends on how they take it and where they take it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome (laughs) thank you (laughs) it's such a good job I love this Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show and wearing your tinfoil tiara with glory. You look beautiful. Thank you. And helping explain this theory of Han lives exclamation mark. Yes, it's it's a question mark and then it will be an exclamation mark. It's just really funny because like that was very that was that was very much a Dave Filoni thing. Yes. And like we could kind of amp that up with kind of the same imagery for well it is it, it, I am telling you I am telling you <laughs> this is where I get I, you, uh, just like Ahsoka foreshadowed Han's return this yes. is foreshadowing my future as a 50 year old British woman who complains on the street about the weather I'm telling you (laughs) I feel like this is this is such an interesting and beautiful uh, theory that ties very much into the themes and the mythos of Star Wars so Mm -hmm. for sharing it with me it's love it's forgiveness it's um the idea that no one's ever really gone and it's never too late both the last Jedi's um actual themes not let the past die (laughs) in fact it'd be the antithesis to letting the past die because you you go to the force bond why did you hate your father why did you kill him he can't even answer Mm -hmm. he ignores the question both questions if he has no reason then that's reason enough for harm to come back it is hmm so sarah Yes. Where can people find you online if they are looking for you to see more of your thoughts? You don't want to, but um, but, <laughs> but more to if you if they want to experience you more re- more raw. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah after dark. <laughs> um, yeah, you can follow me at Sarah Sahim. That is. S-A-R-A-H-S-A-H-I-M for mother or for Marie Claire Um, on Twitter and Instagram. But I don't use Instagram because I forget to take pictures. Um, So, you know, just follow me to look at the pictures I bother to take, I guess. Uh, I have a Raylo Tumblr that I don't use very often. Eliminate the swearing. I have an AO3, also eliminate the swearing, which is a slowed reference. Bringing it full circle. It's like poetry. It rhymes. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to What the Force. I'm Marie-Claire Gould, your host. Our music is the What the Force theme, orchestral music by Christy Carew. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash whattheforce. We like to thank all our patrons, especially those who love What the Force, Night Huntress, In Wild Space, Susan, and Cassandra Corvid. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcatchers, including YouTube. If you would like to support the show in other ways, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. You can connect to us on Twitter at What the Force Show. Feel free to reach out and start a conversation. Cheers. Cheers.